This is the December 23rd, a Christmas special edition of the PFF forecast. And I think this is the best one we've ever had. This is awesome. We have Steve Kornacki. Uh, he is on the pod. He spends like 45 minutes with us. It's awesome. So you'll want to stick around for that. We are going to uh, go through the slate, pick our lock of the week. There's a lot of good games. So let's rock. You ready? Are you yeah. ready for this? Uh, dude, well, we Christmas come Christmas early. come early. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> the LaTeX, uh, whatever Bulldogs, whatever they're called, not 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 getting me any closer to more Christmas gifts here. But Christmas come early is uh, also what James Harden says, like for the stop, forty days before stop, Christmas. Stop, stop, dude. You don't have kids yet, but you you have to when you have yeah. when oh. you have kids. When if whatever. Yeah, I. I, I hope that we're still like talking because I want to be like the the Christmas is actually two months long and then the birthdays are like two month intervals you know like oh that's I'm aware I, so I have three younger sisters and a beautiful girlfriend so I'm well aware of how long birthdays take true uh, your sisters are all like significantly younger than you too kind of so right like, they're, they're, we're they're, spaced out so I've seen I've done the whole yeah, thing you could, like, you noticed it the prince the month of princess uh it's stuff. unbelievable it's, yeah well and I didn't realize this one this was a, a blind spot in my own life Halloween is another one like yeah. my girls had three separate costumes each and they're all like bragged you know like I mean you're bribing them to like but that sticks that's just true of every person until they're like 25 and if you're like, no, not me. We did not do uh, really. I figured I, you would be in the same boat as me. No, I love Halloween. Did. Yeah, I did too, but I got it got taken away from me. Yeah, that's maybe that's the reason that I'm so resistant to children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. We didn't. I went trick or treating no none times from like sixth grade until like one year in college. I actually did it like after I left the house. But yeah, I don't go trick or treating, but like I really enjoyed. A good Halloween costume, especially if you can involve a group, is well. That was the one fantastic. year I went. I went as a, my buddy in grad school went as a. I went as a quarterback. He went as a head coach, and we went as the difference between the Vikings and the Super Bowl. And that's how we'll transition. And it's the same. Like, that's the how we'll stood the test of time. That's how we'll transition into this week's slate, which is fantastic. And we are going to start with the Christmas Day or Christmas Night-ish game, which is the Minnesota Vikings facing the New Orleans Saints. So last week, we had a Saturday teaser, and it was never in doubt. Never in doubt. Drew Locke had no the chance. Smog the smock monster tried to make the it. smock monster really <laughs> tried to try. Because I, I texted you, I go, if we lose the teaser on the, like a missed two-point conversion. Uh, <laughs> smock monster. I forgot about that. Tentilla, you got to make like a, a, like a figurine. I, I need a, a line of smocks that I can spit on during the podcast. Okay, Vikings Saints. The Vikings are, we, I think we nailed this one on Sunday, right? Because we were like, it could be six and a half, it could be seven. I think it briefly got out to seven and a half. I think in most places it's seven, but a little bit of juice towards um, the, the Vikings side of things. Are we setting ourselves up to bet on Kirk Cousins? 
that's how I feel. I like this bet a lot, actually. And that's, that's my I problem feel. is like, I don't think the Vikings. When is the last time that you liked betting on the Vikings a lot? I honestly can't remember it. I've bet on them a couple times of late. Um, one of them was a the Panthers. They were minus three. I thought that was short. I did bet on them against the Bears. And we had them against Tampa. Like, I actually think over the last few weeks, I've like thought the Vikings were a little bit undervalued. Um, Let me make a case. And I think this is going to rub some people the wrong way. But I, it needs to be said. What do we always talk about? The better quarterback getting points. <laughs> now... I, it's going to take – it takes a lot for me to sit here and to tell you that Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback getting points against Drew Brees. But the, the simple fact is he is right now. Yeah. And he has 121 pass rating from a clean pocket, one of the most stable things in quarterback play. That's better. Brees is good, but that's better than Brees. He is grading significantly better than Drew Brees. He has a significantly better big-time throw to turnover-worthy play rate than Drew Brees. Drew Brees is making turnover-worthy plays at a rate we just really haven't seen before. And this may be the most important thing. He has receivers that are getting open. Yeah. Uh, my, my concern, uh, aside from the obvious Kirk meltdowns and the Vikings, you know, they still have something to play for, so that's actually a thing. My concern is really that this, and then again, I'm making a defensive concern here. That that that's why I probably will take Minnesota. The Saints are a, are very talented. Where the Vikings are weak on mm -hmm. offense. So like Trey, like Riley Reef is the same caliber of left tackle as Eric Fisher, and Eric Fisher got absolutely ragdolled by Trey yeah. Hendricks. Like they had four got six guys. I'm sorry, that so had four or more pressures. You're worried that the Saints I'm not. I'm worried that the clean pockets won't materialize won't for Cousins. There. Yeah, and the Vikings are going to try to run the football and all this nonsense. And like that, that that's what I'm kind of worried about is that the Vikings won't take advantage of I think the structural advantage that 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 they've had, and that's really been their problem, right? They they're. Granted, they played a defense that's about as good as the Saints last last week, and they put up twenty seven, so or twenty four. I can't remember exactly how many they put up, but like, so maybe maybe I'm overthinking this. But I do think on the other side of the ball, the Vikings are terrible on defense, but the Saints don't do anything that's gonna. Well, they don't have Michael Thomas. They don't have weapons. It's gonna be feed Alvin Kamara. The Vikings don't have Kendricks or Barr out there. I mean, there are some really good reasons Look, why this. There's a reason why the there. Saints are seven point favorites. Yeah. I understand that. I would like to keep it in consideration. Justin Jefferson, should he be the rookie of the year? Well, he won't be, but he should be. Okay, I agree. Herbert, Herbert has played some really good games in prime time. He almost beat the Saints on the road. He just played a really good game against the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football or Thursday Night Football. I can't remember which one. Thursday. And so, like, those high-profile efforts are really – and being a quarterback are really going to elevate him, but he shouldn't. I mean, Justin Jefferson has been – Everything, Justin Jefferson. Uh, this uh, everything except Stephon Diggs and him could have been together. But right. yeah, this this blew my mind. He's the fourth most valuable wide receiver according to wins above replacement this year. Yeah, that's incredible. Give not not because he hasn't been. You were like, oh, he hasn't been that good, but because wins above replacement, you need to get targets. Yeah, it's that volume was, based. You know, and he's just so damn good. Yeah, he. I mean, he's not targeted that much. He's very AJ Brownian in his rookie year, right? Like where they they're not giving him as many targets, and yeah. he's even performing. Like he might break Randy Moss's rookie receiving record, despite you know Moss was the number three wide receiver that year. Despite um, all. you know, so all right, let's uh, let's keep that one in consideration. Let's move on to Saturday. Where do you want to? Should we just? 
Plus. Well, I mean, uh, so these these have moved, right? So we yeah. had Arizona minus, I believe, three and a half on our on our mm-hmm. picks. It's minus five. That's a pretty good movement. You know, not through four is a keyish number, so that's a good move in our direction. Um, did we not have? Did we have Tampa on a teaser? I want to say. I believe so. And so, now that number is not teasable anymore. Not so teasable. that's a good value there. Um, so those ones you kind of just want to sit out, right? So we had Tampa at minus one. So it was minus seven. Now it's nine and a half. Um, the the one that has moved away from us a little bit is this Miami Dolphins one. And you know why I think that is, George? Please. We talked about this. We talked about this with with Steve later. The Raiders, uh, the Dolphins, the Dolphins can see the playoffs in their in their in their right directly in, their in front of them. Yeah. And I think that the betting markets over, we saw this actually, teams that are eliminated from the playoffs or mostly eliminated are very, very good against the spread against teams that are that need a win to, mm-hmm. to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like they're overvalued tremendously. And so we have the Raiders plus eight and a half. Um, I don't think we see value on Raiders plus three, but I do think if, if you're inclined to want to bet a game like that, you should bet a game like that because mm-hmm. it's there's probably value on the Raiders here. What? Don't you think, though, that there's, in a normal situation for the Raiders, that's definitely true. But with Marcus Mariota, there's so much variance. There's so much uncertainty, right. What I do mean, you expect from Mariota? Because he well, was... Like, I think he'll be great. You, here's why. The Dolphins can't rush the passer. What was Mariota's... Remember that nine-sack yeah, game he took against the Ravens? Yeah, but they're going to blitz the living hell out of him. Yeah, but it's not like the Raiders don't have talent on the outside. Is Ruggs playing? I think that's probably a good question. Um, but... I can't believe. I mean, the the Miami Dolphins have a very, very strong coverage unit, and I'm worried. But that don't you think some of that is buoyed by noisy things like turnovers? Sure. I mean, the, the extent to how good it actually is, yes. I don't see rugs on the injury report. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, so that that, that would be my that would be my only relent there. But um, I mean. Our model does show a little bit of value on the Niners. I don't know if I really want to go there um, because With Bethard or Mullins or whomever's playing is it Mullins Bethard? Is, Mullins is on IR, so it's Bethard. Yeah, jeez. Um, who's the backup there? Is it is it Rosen? I believe so. Wow, the chosen Rosen. Um, yeah. Frozen Rosen. I I probably need to lay off that for the same reason you're laying off Vegas because of the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the. So, yeah, I struggle to find ways to bet these games, which is kind of sad. Here's, here are the things that I do like. Tampa Bay, Detroit, over 54, I think is interesting. Um, in the same way that watching, like, a train wreck is interesting. Uh, I don't think it'll be easy. I think it'll be frustrating. Both these teams will run the ball too much. Yeah. But whenever Matt Stafford plays on a non-Sunday, I just feel like actually when he plays on a Sunday too, I just feel like crazy crazy shit's going to happen. And um so I think crazy shit will happen here. The Detroit Lions also, you know what they don't do? Rush the passer, which means Tom Brady is going to be staying in a clean pocket the whole darn time. And um you know, they went So here's be an interesting one. So if if Minnesota beats New Orleans on Friday, does that give Tampa Bay more? Yeah, of course it does. Right, it gives them a little more incentive. So right, that that's also a built-in thing there where 
that the problem is like Tampa's defense is overrated. There are people that are so ticked off. Every defense is overrated. There's so, there are people that are so ticked off that Fred Warner made the Pro Bowl over David and and uh, uh, White. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's ridiculous. I Fred Warner's fantastic. Okay, let's move off of Saturday, um, and let's go to Sunday. Where do you want to start on Sunday? A couple interesting games here. Should we should we get the the good game of the early slate out of the way? Let's do that. Yeah, so I like I like laying the points at the Colts. Colts are a one and a half point favorite now in Pittsburgh. Um, you know what I learned from the past month? I called the Steelers the most overrated team in the NFL. People were very angry, which is great. Like that's fantastic. I love that. The passion that like fans have is awesome, right? And then you know players want to get after me. That's cool too. Um, but what I learned from this is that if you're doing your job, then you're not wasting your time yelling at other people. You're like trying to be better yourself. So maybe if the Steelers players had spent more time actually looking at and using math to identify the fact that they weren't that great of a team and they focused on getting better, maybe they wouldn't have had this awful slide. Just saying, maybe. Well, but don't you think? Maybe. Now, probably not because they weren't very good at quarterback and that is obviously true. But um, don't you, you think know. though that insecurity breeds that? Like knowing you, you're knowing not you're not good. that good. Yeah, exactly. That, I, yeah. I mean, that's that's why I didn't. That's why I loved it. I was great that like Bud Dupree wanted to quote tweet me and call me a computer geek. That's awesome. That's that's funny. It's yeah. engaging. I like. I'm. I butthurt about it. No, man. Yeah, <laughs> why? The, why? The, um... So, but for that very reason, I am all about the Colts this week. <laughs> here's here's what I'm gonna say, and then you can quote me. I don't, give, you know. And and if Steve does you know if Steve does want to be associated with this that's fine but I'm gonna I'm gonna bring out the I'm gonna bring out the the thing that I said the last time I picked the Colts Steelers are soft I, you don't see me disagreeing with you the, the, the here's the thing I just was on on the Buffalo radio station they were asking like what I thought about the AFC teams and I said you know I think Buffalo and I think Tennessee could could beat Kansas City I don't think the Colts could beat Kansas City I think the Colts can beat the shit out of bad teams. And I think the Colts can beat the shit out of teams that are soft like this. Do you think for a second that DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston are going to are going to sit there while Big Ben throws passes in the like come on. You call they're look they're looking at passes. They're looking at Big Ben in the pocket and they're looking like they're licking what? their lips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You think Darius is Darius Leonard play? You think Darius Leonard? When is- are we gonna have a conversation about Big Ben's lack of core strength? <laughs> no. But I mean, or even like Juju. Like, do you think Xavier Rhodes is gonna really want to fuck around with any of this shit? No, I no. mean Juju hasn't really been a concern for teams for a while. Deontay and, and Claypool are the better receivers, like that. But they yeah. play Juju all the time. Right. I mean, you know, it's the dancing on the logo. But in thing, the, the Deon and is Deontay like Deontay's like a volume guy? He's like the Allen Iverson of wide receivers right now. I love it. I mean, here here's the so I'm so, going to so throw some stats. I'm going, the, let me the give Steelers you some data. Steelers are soft, and let that's me, why I'm taking the. Let me give you Colts. some data here. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, on first and second down rank in the mid 20s in basically every single metric you can slice it, and uh, has been that way for a while. They are 32nd out of 32 teams in our opponent adjusted offensive ranking. Is that good? No, it's no, not. It's, it's not. Cheeks. It's not very good. So, um, Big Ben also fresh off a 25.1 PFF grade. It's the lowest single game grade for a quarterback yeah. this season. So the crazy thing is, people were asking me earlier, 
this week, do I worry about Philip Rivers playing in the cold outside? And my answer is, no, I worry about Big Ben playing in the cold outside. Like, Philip Rivers, say what you want about him, but he's been better than Ben Roethlisberger has been this year, and the Colts have been better than the Steelers. And so that's why, as a short road favorite, I will take the Indianapolis Colts as well. I'd like to consider this one for the lock of the week. Same here. The uh, 2021 basketball season, it's here. A lot of drama going on. We've got James Harden in a strip club. Well, according to him, not a strip club, but um, craziness is happening in the NBA. Kyrie and Kevin Durant are, are, you know, I mean, they won one game. They're now championship favorites. Um, You need to go bet on basketball is what I'm trying to tell you. It's just too much fun to not do. And uh, I would recommend you go do it on DraftKings Sportsbook. It's the best sportsbook app that is out there. And they've got some pretty decent uh, promos here for you. And by decent, I mean awesome. If you use promo code PFF, they have a set of NBA games that you can bet a dollar on at 101 odds. So you bet the team straight up to win, and then you can win $100. And then you have basically 100 free dollars to go bet on the NFL this weekend. And on the NFL, they have a ton of Sunday odds boosts. They'll have some on Saturday and Friday too, because there are football games then. It's a magical time of the year to ignore your family and bet on sports. So go do it. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Do it now. Use promo code PFF when you sign up and get that 100 to 1 odds uh, on the featured matchups in the NBA this week. Again, promo code PFF. Remember, you must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All first-time depositors at the wonderful place known as MonkeyKnifeFight.com that put at least $20 into their account while using the promo code PFF are going to receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 subscription. You get it for a full year. It takes you through the draft. It gets you the draft guide, which is awesome. And uh, gets you all the way through basically your entire fantasy season next season. So you'll want to go make that happen. Um, and you also get the opportunity then to spend that $20 playing daily fantasy and prop games at monkeyknifefight.com, which is like just awesome. How else are you going to spend your cold winter months? Um, you need to have a way to enjoy yourself. And that's what monkeyknifefight.com allows you to do. Promo code is PFF. They have not just football, but tons of basketball as well. And that's getting heated up. So go make it happen with promo code PFF at monkeyknifefight.com. The PFF forecast is brought to you by pristineauction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items that are up for auction, signed helmets, balls, jerseys, and much more. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. PristineAuction.com. If you are like me, you probably wait until I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you I'm gonna wait until Christmas Eve to buy Christmas gifts which means my Christmas gifts are gonna consist of gift cards and cash PFF has you covered go to pff.com you can buy someone an elite subscription you don't want to skimp you know that's the thing about buying something last second you can't just give them 10 bucks to DoorDash you gotta go you know you gotta give them something nice a PFF elite subscription but here's the great thing if you do that and use promo code action A-C-T-I-O-N you will get a free year of Action Network's Action Pro subscription, which is $100. So you can tell them, I got you $300 worth of stuff, and you spend $200. Maybe you get one for yourself, too. I'm just saying. Uh, it's a great gift. 
It's a full year, so it takes people through the draft, gets them all the stuff for fantasy next season, gives you betting dashboards. And I'm telling you, in the NFL playoffs, you will want to use the PFF props tool. So go to pff.com and make it happen. Okay, here's one, and, I, and I'm going to bring it up because... Because you hate me. I know what game this is. No, actually, you don't. Oh. I don't know, though. I can't. Just do it. Just say yes. Philadelphia minus two and a half in Dallas. I love it. I love it. So I, so personally, mm-hmm. and, and again, this, this, I'm getting all of my stuff on the play. I have a ton of Washington football team to win the NFC East futures. Yeah, we both do. So I'd really like for Philadelphia to lose and for the Giants to lose this week because that way I get paid out. I don't even have to watch. I don't have to sweat out week 17 for the NFC. beautiful. Well, actually, yeah. Well, I would have to because Dallas would still have to lose week seven. I, True. Yeah, it's point. weird, right? But like, I think I do think the path to the Washington football team winning if they lose this week is for the Eagles because the Eagles are the better of these two teams. However, Dallas has been the classic zigzag spot, right? Mm-hmm. They've had they played okay against Washington, got blown out. They played okay against the Ravens, eventually got blown out. Then they come in. Play really well against the Bengals. Play really well against the Niners. Everybody's gravitating towards them a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Mm-hmm. What's this spread just a couple weeks ago? With Wentz? Well, not with Wentz. With Hurts. Let's like, assume everything we know about Hurts. Um, man, a couple weeks ago. I mean, before the before the the Cowboys won two straight games. Yeah. I don't know, three and a half. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I yeah, it, it's certainly not bettable. Uh, here so here's my thought on this game. And I've got some 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 things that I, I want to see where you are on the Hertz meter cuz I'm he's way better than Wentz. That that's like that's kind of been the whole thing here. But where he is in terms of like a really viable quarterback. 32% of his passes have been uncatchable, which is the highest rate in the NFL. But what he brings to you from a rushing perspective is massive, and that's why the Eagles' offense has done a complete 180. With Wentz as the quarterback, they ranked 30th. That's third worst in the NFL in EPA per play on offense, and 30th on first and second down EPA per play. With Hertz as the quarterback, they've been 13th overall and 14th on first and second down. So there's a dramatic difference, and the big difference is coming not only from him not taking as many sacks, but also from the explosive plays. They're averaging about 10 plays of 15-plus yards over the past couple of games, where it was seven with Wentz. And um, like he's just better throwing the ball from a clean pocket, it, you know, 112 pass rating. So there are all these good things with Hurts, but I'm still worried about the accuracy. Yeah, bit. and also Dallas, you know, their offense – the Eagles' defense is garbage, as we saw the other day, as right. far as in the secondary, and Dallas has good weapons. So that could be a problem. Okay. That said, I, I think the Eagles win the NFC East. I did put a small bet on them at plus 600. I, th- I think they're going to do it. I think they're the best team in the NFC East. I, I think Jalen Hurts is still – I said this three weeks ago, and people wanted to kill me for it. Even my beloved Mike Renner disagreed with me, which, you know, is good because he knows what he's doing. But – um, Jalen Hurts is the guy you want to bet on. I, I made two futures bets this week. One of them, I got a really good number in Indy plus 125 to win the South. Win-win. 
Tennessee loses to Green Bay. It's their yeah. division. Um, I also took some Philadelphia plus six hundred. I feel like that's a good a good hedge against some of the my. Uh, I agree. Some of the um, football team. Okay, I don't. So here's the thing. I'm not taking the Giants, okay? Okay, I'm not I, doing that either. I know that there's probably some value there historically. I'm not taking Jacksonville. No. We don't even know who their quarterback Jacksonville, is. Jacksonville Jacksonville ain't fucking this up, okay? Jacksonville is getting Trevor Lawrence. Tennessee. You know, it's like, so here's what Jacksonville is. Jacksonville has been in a race for the hottest girl in the school with a guy that had a massive lead, right? He had it all. He had money. He had, um, bet he was better looking. Uh, he had a nicer car, like all of these things. He had better game, all this stuff. And he made a massive mistake, right? He like accidentally hooked up with another chick at a party. Jacksonville ain't messing this up. They've got one shot, okay? They're not winning a game or trying to win a game or coming close to winning a game. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, you don't get that opportunity and blow it. You just don't. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I don't think it's as big of a lock, but I do think I don't know. Look, I'm not making the lock of the week. Jags plus three hundred. That's no. my first. Time. I ain't doing so, that either. So, um, but here, here's one. So, and then I, in Tennessee, we like Tennessee early in the week at plus four. It's now plus three. We seem to be on the right mark there. We did. Okay, here's a question for you: If it was three and a half, I'd take Tennessee. I'm I'm with you there, and I kind of like Tennessee plus plus one fifty five. Yeah against the money line and um I, I just i love aaron Rodgers, and it's all about the other things around him not being as good um i think at plus three and a half i'd consider tennessee yeah. uh, as the lock of the week i'd certainly and i don't it. think you can take buffalo or sorry i don't think you can take new england here plus the seven i just think that they're the motivation is the motivation is not there okay so, so you know who we haven't talked about yet we haven't talked about atlanta doug farrar a friend on on twitter said he think something weird's going to happen. I This is the game Atlanta wins. Well, here here's the thing. I and <laughs> I haven't the I game haven't Atlanta wins. I I believe if New Orleans wins on Friday, Kansas City has sewn up the one seed because of the strength. The only leak in their entire path of the one seed is a is a 3 a 13 and 3 finish with both Buffalo and Pittsburgh mm -hmm. and the strength of victory becomes and I believe the Saints winning topples over strength of victory for both those teams. So there's also a chance that this number might just be like six by Sunday. I like I've Atlanta. never picked against the Chiefs as my lock of the week. And that's it's, the problem. Like I, you have a you have a sickness. I have, Ten and a half is too many. I, it's too many. It is. I do agree. I, I, I'd be willing. I think it was eleven and a half early. I do think there's been some money on Atlanta. Um, the obviously the meltdown fact. Look. The meltdown factor with Atlanta is just so immense, though. That's like the thing I don't. Big but there's total. a Raheem Morris. There's, you know, he's trying, obviously, to win. Mm -hmm. But, like, we could see Chad Henney in the third quarter of this game. I'm telling. But then, of course, the Falcons lost twice to Taysom Hill. Like, that's my issue. Like, <laughs> well, we're going to be sitting here on Sunday. Mahomes has six touchdowns entering the fourth yeah, quarter, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Matt Ryan, dude. Matt and, Ryan, and, the, and the Falcons are out there running the ball on first I down. Do, I, Matt Ryan played a tremendous game on Sunday, mm -hmm. and it was still not enough. Matt Ryan has been, like, oscillating between the worst quarterback I've ever seen and the best quarterback I've seen every week. And last week he was good. This is outdoors. Zigzag is what you're saying. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's – look – I think Indy is a better bet. 
Yeah, I I have I'm gonna put. Um, actually, I bet the Falcons at eleven and a half. Um, Is there there aren't any? So all the teasers were available early in the week. They're all protected now. Uh, Browns, Giants. Uh, well, I guess you could tease Houston down to minus two, but are, the Bengals are hot. You don't want to bet the Bengals. You know, bet against the Bengals right now. They're, they're hot streak. You could go Chicago again. I mean, I guess the teaser to play is Chicago minus one and a half, and Dallas plus eight and a half. That's the teaser that you mm-hmm. want if you like. If you're doing the mechanical, or okay, here's one. I think I found it. You know how excited I get when when you find a teaser. Bears minus one and a half. <laughs> Bills minus one. Monday Night Football. Is there any chance that game doesn't matter for the Bills? No. No. Oh my God! You want to you want to bet on Josh Allen winning against Bill Belichick? I mean, I like. Yeah. I think it. You do. You, this is the time. Okay. Well, the, how about this? Saints. Well, see, but we we don't show value on the. On yeah, the, I. I you don't like the blues. Saints. I don't like the Saints. Um, I don't like the Saints. All these other ones are protected. I mean, you could go to Sean Watson for the nth straight week. He did cover last week. Uh, the <sighs> Bengals are garb. Oh so what God. if you go, what, what if you went Bengal, or what if you had uh, Texans Bears? I like that one a little bit more. I like that one too. I mean, I the like Bengals, dude, Ryan Finley really threw for 90 yards, man. This is not going to be like a, this is, the, okay. So we have, we have two, I think, candidates here. Yep. We have Houston minus two, Chicago minus one and a half. What we're doing is betting that really the Steelers do suck. And the Bengals didn't actually win yeah. that game on Monday yeah. night. They just played. Or we can bet Colts minus one and a half and just bet explicitly that the Steelers suck. Or or we can take the Vikings. I don't hate taking the Vikings at plus seven. I don't. But the... You know what? Let's do it. Let's take two games. Let's do two games. No, no. Fuck that. It's Christmas. All three? All three. Round them out. Vikings plus... Let, let's buy it, okay? Vikings... We'll, we will record this. Vikings plus seven and a half minus 125. You love to see it. Houston minus two. Chicago minus one and a half. Tease me. Okay. Chris, you know what you want to do? You want to wake up... Let, let me make sure that that minus 125 is there so we don't... You want to wake up on Sunday... Yeah, minus one twenty-five for the bikes at plus seven and a half. To a little teaser, and then the third, you, you save the best for last. The Colts minus in one Pittsburgh half. minus one and a half. Yeah, we're gonna stay away from the Falcons. If you want death, go Falcons. Join me. All right, uh, we've got Steve Kornacki. Let's get it. All righty, this has been a couple weeks in the making. We're very excited. The great Steve Kornacki and I. I have prepared a list of things that you have accomplished. You may know him for his work as a TV host on NBC News, author of The Red and the Blue, the 1990s and the birth of political tribalism, also named one of people's sexiest men alive in 2020, and very recently, a co-worker of ours via Sunday Night Football and Football Night in America, where you may have seen uh, the chart throb in action. And not only this. Steve, one of my one of our coworkers, a, a higher up in the company, slacked me today a picture of his wife's jacket with an I voting stick I vote sticker, but instead of saying I voted, it says I love Steve Kornacki. Yeah. So it was it was sort of like out of the blue. I don't even know how he found out we were doing this. I tweeted about it. Ah yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. People are way more ex- no one listens 
to our podcast for us, obviously, right? We're trying to get you know guests on, but I have never had my girlfriend reach out to me and go, I'm actually gonna listen to this podcast. <laughs> so welcome. I, uh, thank you. I, I, uh, I'm a little, that, that I tell people that People Magazine thing is proof that there was voter fraud in 2020 um, <laughs> is the only possible explanation for that. And I, I'm, I'm as mystified as anyone at some of the stuff you're describing there, but I'm very flattered and I'm, uh, I've enjoyed working with you guys the last few weeks. This has been great fun for me and I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, conversation today. That was going to be my, my first question. So was it hard making that transition from reporting on the presidential election to NFL football where the final scores are actually accepted by both teams? <laughs> uh, can I tell you, what a, what a relief. We, uh, we go through one week, we get the results, and then we move on to the next week. <laughs> And, and we don't linger. <laughs> and um, I've, I've, enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed getting to do that uh, for, the last, for the last couple of weeks. The good news for me when it comes to the election stuff, just from my own kind of selfish standpoint is, you know, we got to, um, I'd say it was about 11.45 in the morning that Saturday of election week when uh, Pennsylvania was called, put Biden over 270. I, I had not really slept much that week, so I called my boss up. Um, as soon as we announced it, I said, look, I... Uh, I got the car to the destination. Now let me go. And so I said, "You guys deal with whatever's coming now. I'll get ready for." As it turned out, I'll get ready for Georgia. That's my next uh, my next big election project. And, and in between, get to do the playoffs. And so you're doing the Georgia the runoff. The that's awesome. And and usually that's only. I mean that the possibility is only one there. But we had the special election with uh, Warnock and and Loeffler. That's that's sweet. I'm I'm looking forward to that. And uh, that'll be that'll be a fun predict it sort of. Uh, night uh, so, on the betting markets and things like oh, that oh yeah the betting markets will be interesting that <laughs> night as they were election night yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how eric and i consumed we were watching you know eric and i are lucky in that we get to cover football from the football side of things but also from like a predictive and the betting markets are a very interesting thing to follow on election night it was one of the most bonkers like nights ever in terms of yeah. where the betting markets were were you aware of any of that at all so no, I've, I've heard about it after, but I mean, is, is this the right version? Like around, I don't know, midnight, 1 a.m., it spiked to like, you know, Trump was, was heavily favored and then it, and then swung it's, back. I don't know. I don't know. It was when even it swung earlier back, than right? that, Steve. Like at night. Yeah. So I was it. Was it when Florida was called? Yeah. I do a podcast with Pinnacle Sports, which is a, a, a sports book out, you know, over the overseas and the their trader like messaged me at like nine so he messaged me at seven when everything was happening and said we're getting a ton of biden money like or no sorry we're getting a ton of trump money but our internal say biden's gonna win right so it was like it was like they're all they, they can't get enough people to bet on biden at like minus two two ten minus two thirty so you know a sixty five percent chance to win break even basically and by the time it got to nine o'clock he messaged me and said you know, it's over. We are, we think Trump's won. Like, and and mm. so they're literally they. Wow. And and I'm thinking to myself, how like how, have you guys? Because you guys have thought it through, right? The the red uh, mirage was what it was called, where they had you know sort of all the votes from the in person, but not the mm -hmm. uh, you know is the exact opposite where we live in Ohio, where they counted the the mail in ballots early, so it looked like right. like Biden was going to win, and then and then Trump came back and won the state handily. It was the exact opposite, but all these sports books had Trump at like minus 700 you know you biden it like a 15 to 20 percent yeah. chance and it was it was crazy and then the funny part was 
I remember going to bed at about two and it was about even money at that point. And then you wake up the next day and it's about Biden minus 200 and then middle of the day it's minus 500. It's like the market took so long to be rational and, you know, guys like you, Stephen, you know, uh, Silver and all those guys are like, well, look, like the path for a Biden win is pretty trivial at this point still. You just got to win these states. He ended up winning the, more than he was, you know, predicted to win. Yeah. Well, how unsure were you, Stephen? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'll tell you, I, I and I'm, I may not have the time straight here because my, my memory of this doesn't always track with the hour, but I would say 1 a.m., you know, election night into the next morning, I was telling, you know, my bosses here, I, I think Trump might win this thing. Wow. Um, and it gunned to my head. I'd say at about 1 a.m., give or take, I, I would have said Trump's going to win the election because what I was seeing at that point was, you know, not only had he won Florida, we knew early on, look, Florida was going to be the state where we're going to get the result election night either way. Yeah. If Biden wins Florida, that's the ball game. Um, Trump, though, could win Florida and stay alive. But Trump actually, you know, he improved his margin from 2016. So I'm actually seeing movement toward Trump relative to 16. You know, Ohio, where we'd seen polling, you know, pretty close, like Biden having a shot. His campaign certainly thought he had a shot. Suddenly we see, you know, getting close to the, the 2016 number there. Um, I know, you know, Arizona had been called by other networks. Fox and the Associated Press had called Arizona. I had grave doubts about that, you know, mm. right away. Um, and then I'm looking at Wisconsin at about one or two in the morning. I'm looking at Wisconsin. Trump was up. We knew there were some mail-in votes to be com to, uh, coming in from uh, Milwaukee overnight. I really wasn't sure there were going to be enough mail-in votes there in Milwaukee. And I'm saying to myself, look, this was the biggest lead Biden had in the swing state in the polling, Wisconsin. Yep. I think At 1 a.m., I'm thinking to myself, Trump's going to win the state. Wow. And if Trump's winning that, I think he might get Pennsylvania. You know, And yeah. I'm thinking at that point, he's still likely to hold on to, uh, or at least very plausibly, going to hold on to Georgia. So, yeah, it was where it all changed for me was, I would say it was 5.15 in the morning. We got a huge batch of mail-in votes from Milwaukee. And it actually, it was more than enough. It, it put Biden up, you know, I'd say about 7,000 statewide. And then there was a little bit more from Kenosha and from Green Bay, and it settled in 20,000 vote lead. And once I knew we had Wisconsin, all right, it was at, at that point from about 5 a.m. on the morning after the election, it was just an escalating, okay, Biden's got this, Biden's got this thing. And then it still took three days to actually get there. It's, well, like, the, we it's saw, like the witching hour. Well, no, that we saw this, we saw this almost exact thing the first week we worked together, right? Because there was the, the Minnesota Vikings won against Jacksonville. And the Arizona Cardinals lost handily to the L.A. Rams. And so for a brief second, the Vikings were in a playoff spot. And, and Arizona was in that, set, that eighth position. And we're saying, okay, why do we like, why do we like uh, Arizona more than Minnesota? And so, well, the composition of what's left on the board is, is favorable to Arizona and not favorable to Minnesota. It was almost the exact same thing for Trump and Biden. And it's cool like how you sort of, all these exercises are so much fun in sort of permuting the possible values of things that can happen. Cause that's, I think that's really why people are so captivated by what you do, Steve. And, you know, and, and well, kind of- Predicting the future. Yeah, exactly. Right? And people love that. Especially when they have no idea how like things work, yeah. right? The intricacies of this election were even more so yeah. than they were in the past. How many people did you have because you know everyone sees you or John King on there, and it's like you've got this magical board in front of you. What's the team behind working with you, helping you, informing you? How big is that team? Well, there's two layers to it. The first is you know we have a thing that that every network has the decision desk, yep. and you know this is this is like the College of Cardinals. They are you know very intentionally walled off from everybody. They have the ultimate kind of 
editorial independence. I mean, it's it, be, before COVID, they actually weren't in the building um, this year. But before COVID, like literally, if you wanted to go talk to the decision desk people on an election night, you'd go up to the doorway and there'd be a security person there who would escort you in and stand <laughs> with you. You know, like you were going to I don't know what they thought I was going to do, but. Um, so there's that. And, you know, we check in with them. We compare notes with them. We get a sense of what they're thinking, um, when they're thinking they're going to make calls. And they are the ones who ultimately make the call with the network name on it. So there's that. And then the other thing is I've got, you know, is, is my producer. His name is uh, Adam, Adam Naboa. Um, and it's kind of me and him. He's like five feet behind that board you see on TV. And he set up something that was incredibly helpful to me um, for the sort of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when we were down to a handful of states and like every couple hours, we would get more votes from Georgia or from Pennsylvania or from Arizona or wherever. And anytime there was an update of any vote in any state, he would immediately get an alert and give it to me telling me exactly where the county was, exactly what the vote breakdown was, you know, is that what we were trying to establish was what it, what they were reporting out then in the final days was these were the mail in votes that were you know, took them forever to count. What's the pace? You know, this new batch from Pennsylvania, Biden's winning them. Is he winning them at the pace he needs to be winning them to overtake Trump statewide? And we established early on that a pace was going to be, you know, in the low 60s. And by Wednesday or Thursday, it was clear it was he was winning them at like a 76 percent rate. So there was you know, Biden was going to catch Trump. And it was you were seeing this in, in even Republican counties. But that was a hugely helpful thing to have because um, you were, we were talking about like looking at Pennsylvania, millions of votes cast suddenly there's an update of like 3,000 new votes come in. And I knew right away exactly which county it was, exactly what the breakdown was. And you know, he could tell me that and we could pinpoint it you know, really quickly. So why did it take so long to call then? Mm. So I think what they were looking to do, there, were, um, there was the uncertainty in Pennsylvania in particular. Well, first of all, I should say, um, a lot of people know this, but just in case the issue in Pennsylvania was the state law did not allow these mail-in votes to be opened up at all until election day. So they're collecting them for weeks ahead of time. They've never had, it's called absentee voting, but it's, it's done by mail. They've never had it on the scale before, anything approaching it. So they have no idea what to do with all these ballots and they can only let them sit there until election day. So that's why it took you know, a couple of days. I mean, there were counties that decided they weren't even gonna open them until the Wednesday morning after the election. Philadelphia was trying to process them the day of the election. They got overwhelmed. So that, that was the main thing. But then in terms of calling it, from our standpoint, the uncertainty that entered into it in the end was they had a category of vote. This is really, really wonky. I don't know if anyone wants this detail, but they had a category of vote called the provisional ballot. Hmm. And the provisional ballot pool is typically not that big. It's overwhelmingly Democratic. We can kind of assume that from election to election. Because of a bunch of procedural issues with, with pandemic voting, there were it was a much bigger provisional pool hmm. than we'd seen before. And there was a potential for a lot more Republican votes to be in there than we'd seen before. So they wanted that Biden lead. They wanted to see that Biden lead get to a certain level where even if the provisional ballots broke, because the provisional ballots aren't counted until like the week after the election, mm -hmm. where even if those provisional ballots broke in a hugely unexpectedly Republican way, uh, Biden would withstand it. And I think what they basically came up with was uh, the standard of one half of one percent. If Biden's lead over Trump statewide could hit one half of one percent, they would call it. And that's because that's what was that's yeah. what it hit at 1130 in the morning uh, Saturday after the election. That's so cool. I mean, like that's like we do the same things when we're helping, you know, with the simulation and stuff. It's sort of like 
you know, when you think about subsetting this, you know, subsetting the space of the universe, right? You're you're always making assumptions about what matters and what doesn't matter. And what's so cool about what you what you just said is in a normal year, we would assume these provisional ballots break a certain way, but you have to, and this is about what modeling and math and all the statistics is, is it's, you know, making sure that your assumptions are valid and you guys don't want to make an error based upon an assumption that doesn't apply to 2020. And I think that that's such a reasonable thing to do. And, and you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, did you guys Well, think- the public, public perception, at least, I think was a lot that you can't you have to be so sure in this election yeah it's not that though right, right? i know like but New that's York what i'm City. saying that's why it's interesting yeah. to hear because yeah. you know i was in dc when the election was happening and um you know everyone is i've never seen dc quieter in my entire life and it was it was honestly eerie i flew in i think it was thursday night i expected it to be chaos it wasn't and for like two straight days it was just like no one was willing to yeah. move and, and then people started getting frustrated because of that. They thought, why aren't the networks calling it? They're just afraid. Yeah. And I think, uh, so in your book, uh, The Red and the Blue, you talk about how the, you could have this discussion 30 years ago, right? You could, you could lay out the foundations of why you're doing what you're doing. And no, whether I'm a Democrat or Republican, whether George is liberal or conservative, we could all, we could all approach the situation with a fair head and now and this is why i think it's so interesting that you know you've come to our side the dark side right which is politics is very team oriented now it's very much and there's a guy you write about your book newt gindrich who is i think you know he the the rules of we're seeing this they're crumbling down but the unwritten rules of politics have have made the 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 grill the wheels greasy for years and the first person who has said look the unwritten rules are actually not rules and i'm going to break them and i'm going to benefit i'm going to be the first one to do that i'm going to benefit from them and i think about football and isn't bill belichick that guy isn't he the guy that said look you can't line up a tailback at left tackle and fool the Ravens in a playoff game. Well, of course you can actually, it's in the rules. As long as you run it with the refs and they don't screw you over, you're fine. And it's like, there's so many interesting connections there, but I think the the connection really does stem from, this has become a team game and and you do what you can to win, right? And like the, the connections are so like, I think acute now. So Belichick Gingrich, are you in favor of that cop? I'm going to go with no, and I'll tell you okay, why. Okay, great. Belichick sustained the success. Oh, sure. That's a good point. New, you know, Newt yeah. lasted three and a half years as speaker, and it was a pretty spectacular fall, and it was real rocky. His, you know, He had the great moment. He won the Super Bowl in 1994. He got Republicans to the majority in yeah. the House, but they uh, they put up a bunch of six and ten seasons after so that. You're saying, so he's Chip so, Kelly then? Oh, I- I was gonna say he's Joe Flacco. Uh, so he isn't he Chip Kelly? Where Chip Kelly comes in, came in and like rewrote football for like a year. If you're willing, then- if you're willing to let that be on the NFL level, or if you're willing to let that be on the yeah. college level too, because I, I, Chip was very you know short lived on the NFL level. Yeah, but say. he like won ten games with Mark Sanchez. Like he was that's a that is a feat that you should hang a banner for that. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, um, Steve. So you you're from Massachusetts. Are you a Pats fan? Yeah, I you know I duck for cover outside of New England when I admit that to people. But yeah, I mean I grew up uh, I grew up a Patriots fan. I always try to remind people of Patriot. I know the last twenty years 
we're spoiled. I, what can I say? But when I grew up, uh, late 80s, early 90s, the Patriots were barely an NFL franchise, may not have even been an NFL franchise. I mean, it was you couldn't watch the games on local TV. The stadium was three quarters empty. <laughs> it was like a glorified high school stadium. They played in the team, you know, when I was, you know, probably 15 years old or something. The team basically almost moved to St. Louis. That's right. Almost yeah. lost the franchise. So, you know, it's been like I, I do think Patriots, I mean, no, I mean, look, we're spoiled beyond belief, whatever. And I'm not looking for any sympathy, but they did. I think Patch fans did put in a lot of lean years there before this all happened. Is it is it not ironic that you start doing stuff on Sunday Night Football and Football Night in America the year <laughs> that the Patriots are not yeah. going to make the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. I have, I have said this to quite a few people. It's like the first week I was there, I think it was 13%. It went down to two the next week. And I said, <laughs> You're the reason. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, first, people, first year, first time, right? Just in time for the Bills to win the AFC. You know? right. People forget that though. The Dick McPherson years, like they yeah. they were bad, and they almost moved. Like, like the, before Robert Kraft bought the team, they were going to move to St. Louis. They were on their way out, and then was it? It was Parcells and Bledsoe basically that just said, "Look, we're you know they that kind of got the team on the right track. They played the Super Bowl against the Packers, and like I, I I think people forget that like a Patriots fan had not only heartbreak but also irrelevance at times. You know, the heartbreak being the the Super Bowl in '85 and '96, but also that period of time when they couldn't win a game, and the Bills were not only winning all the time but going to all the Super Bowls and, and yeah. you know it's a far cry from what's happening so lately I, I wanted to ask who do you think the political um, comparison would be then for Belichick and since you don't think it's Newt and what about Brady well Brady yeah longevity mm-hmm. um, who yeah you know I mean I, look Let's see if let's see how the rest of the year goes for uh, for Tampa. I know it's um, I don't think you're expecting them to win the Super Bowl at this point, but if they made a run in the playoffs, you could I think you could make a Brady Biden comparison. Wow! Because there's there's Biden at 78 winning the presidency, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is 10 years older than anybody else has ever won it. Yeah. What if Brady? You know, I mean, I, I could kind of see you know he's been at the game so long for Belichick. You know, I, I, the one I would I would give you is um, is Bill Clinton, because mm-hmm. Bill Clinton was Bill Clinton rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. <laughs> but he had his fans. He got elected, mm-hmm. but it, you know, people. This is in the book. Uh, yeah, yeah, you wrote about this. The blue. How he, yeah. If you were if you were on the right, you hated Bill Clinton, and you, you know, he's he lies through his teeth. He never tells the truth. Clintonian, it's you know, but he was he was good at the game. He was mm-hmm. a natural, and he kept winning. You know, they couldn't they couldn't beat him. You know, they couldn't beat him in 92. They couldn't beat him in 96. They took the house in 94. They thought they had him then. That didn't work. They tried to impeach. They did impeach him, but they could, you know, they Mm -hmm. couldn't beat Bill Clinton. I think there's and it drove the people in like Bill Clinton crazy. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of that with Belichick. Well, and then when when Al Gore tried to do it on on his own, he sort of wasn't quite good enough. Right. Like that might be the the Brady sort of moving to Tampa Bay. And I so you had you had one for Reagan that I thought was interesting. I would have I would have said Reagan and Brady kind of similar for the age thing as well, but the continued winning, I really like the Biden one. It's obviously more relevant. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think of that. What about, um, so here's the one we were arguing over. I said that Mahomes and Obama, would they would be the two that I would compare. And my reasoning being that Obama changed the landscape of politics and the presidency forever and i think mahomes is doing that at the quarterback position and i said aaron Rodgers because i think 
both started out really hot. And but if you sort of look at like Rogers only won one Super Bowl, mm-hmm. like Obama's accomplishments are not necessarily all that impressive compared to how he started. I sort of think of them as the same, <laughs> but I, I could be wrong. I don't know. You, you're you're the expert. Like, let me let let's hear it. I like I like the Mahomes one on that. I think okay. there's a and there's I think there's a. I'm not trying to diss Rogers, but I think there's a charisma. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a fun likability factor that uh, that Mahomes has going for him that uh, that I think Obama had going for him in politics too. So I had I had a Mahomes compared to Ronald Reagan, and this was my comparison: was that Reagan lost how many states in like the two elections, like three or four? Yeah, oh, that's a good like, point. Yeah. Like Mahomes has never had a bad he game in his whole life. Game. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Reagan had never had a bad state. He that's beat fair. the Chiefs this year are forty-eight and twenty-two against their road opponents. Their, their road opponents that they've beaten are forty-eight and twenty. Like mm-hmm. Reagan won California and, and New York as a as a Republican, although that was more likely back then. But like that was kind <laughs> of like my take was that you know Reagan was just a flat-out winner the way that Mahomes you know kind of is. I have uh, I have one more. This is my favorite one. Uh, Greg Williams and Steve Bannon. <laughs> I said I said Rudy Giuliani, by the way, which I, I do think Rudy Giuliani I has mean, done more to tank anything I mean, than Greg did. I, Greg wasn't trying to tank. That's the beautiful that's uh, I, the beautiful that's thing. He wasn't even trying to tank. Yeah. Uh, I go I go way back in time. I don't know if anyone will get the reference, but Lee Atwater would be my Greg mm. Williams. He was the uh, the dark arts wow. consultant of the '80s. In the that is a good one. That is a good one. That was uh, I still remember the Atwater question. Uh, there was an Atwater question on the AP US history. Oh, gotcha. Test. That's that's the extent of what I know. That it's not <laughs> much. Um, th- let's talk a little football here because uh, I know that most people ask you questions about the election stuff, and we're a football podcast, so let's chop it up a little bit. Um, You've now had a few weeks to dive in like really deeply. Would you, were you following the season? I mean, because you'd have the election, like that obviously took all of your time. Um, I'm guessing you tried to maybe sleep for 10 hours afterwards, you know, or, or maybe eight. I don't know. Did you have any clue what was going on this season? Did you have to like do a crash course? What's your general way of consuming NFL football and how has it changed? Yeah. Um, look, I've, I've always been a fan. Um, I, uh, you know, this year in particular, I think between the election and, and the pandemic, I think, you know, I, I, I wasn't, the season kind of snuck up on me where mm-hmm. I just, I, all sports this spring and this summer, I just kind of put out of my mind. Um, you know, I, I used to watch a ton of college football. I really haven't watched much of this year. Um, I know if there's a bowl game on as I speak right now, but um, <laughs> yeah, Eric, yeah, I haven't watched, uh, watched a ton of it. It just, it, college really hasn't felt the same. The NFL though, like once the season started, you know, I found myself on a Sunday, I was home and I, you know, where else are you going to be these days? I was home. And um, I, I actually, it surprised me that first week that um, as long as they didn't have the the wide shot where you could see the, the tens of thousands of empty seats, I was kind of buying it more mm-hmm. than I thought I was going to that. Okay. This is, this feels a little more normal than I thought it would not totally, but more than I thought it would. So I started, I got, you know, I got a little bit more, you know, kind of into it like I normally would. Um, but the big change for me, um, from what I've been doing the last few weeks with you guys is just the way I watch Sunday afternoons, you know, I'm, I'm going there to NBC in Stanford, uh, Connecticut. They got a room with every yep. game on. And I find myself like I have a chart in front of me with the playoff probabilities coming into the day and I'm playing with, okay, at, at this given moment, you know, 
the Jets are up on the Rams, the Cardinals are losing it. You know, what is this going to do to the playoff? And I'm trying to like imagine and, and project those numbers moving based on how the games move. Um, and it's it's been a really interesting thing to see. And I've I've never watched you know football with like you know playoff and win probabilities in mind like that before. Yeah, we remarked, I think, like last week when we were talking about, because we do a show, I mean, we we talk about which games we like to bet on and which games, you know, we're, we're really looking forward to. For us, it's very independent, right? Like we yes. generally see, we'll look at a game and we like this game, we'll bet on this game or something like that. And and that's what we're looking for. But you're right. I mean, now, I'm like, I just remember remarking to George, I'm like, I understand what's going to happen this week so much better because I'm per- trying to permute in my head what's going on so that we give, you know, you guys great information, but also just so that we're anticip- anticipating things. Like that first week that we were working with you, I want to say the, the in the one o'clock hour, there were like three 10-point favorites that were all losing at halftime. And I'm like, like what the heck? Like everything we expect, and then they all came back and won. But then the Giants law, Giants beat the Seahawks in the four o'clock hour. It's like okay, like it's not actually going to work the way it's supposed to. And you know, it's it's fun to view it. I think in the global sense because I don't know if we do that enough. No, I, I agree. What do you think? So what's having now watched all of these games very closely? You're trying to predict. You know, look forward. Let's look forward to the playoffs. Who are some of the teams that you? you think have a chance maybe to compete with the Chiefs, either in the AFC or to come out of the NFC. Who's impressed you so far? Um, yeah, I think the overall answer to that is the one that's impressed me the most is Green Bay. Hmm. And and over the course of the season, I mean, Rodgers is just having, obviously, an incredible season. Um, you could have the whole MVP debate there. But I think Green Bay is better than I would have thought. They, just, they seem a much more complete team. Rodgers is having a phenomenal year, and I could, I could imagine Green Bay – um, I mean, Green Bay, Kansas City, talk about a th- Super Bowl Man. from the old days. That'd be kind of fun. And I could kind of see um, – I could see that. Um, Baltimore you – know, Baltimore is the interesting one to me hmm. because I'm, I'm – you know, I know you guys have had them for very understandable reasons. The, their playoff probability, you know, is so high just because they're, they're playing well and their schedule is so easy. And I am – I am – part of me is starting to play with the scenario where, like, Miami just keeps winning too mm-hmm. and, and Baltimore somehow gets uh, gets blocked – you know, despite being 11 and five, despite doing everything they were supposed to do. But if they do get in, you know, I, I'd say Baltimore and, um, you know, look, Buffalo. Yeah. Um, Buffalo has just looked dominant lately. And, and Josh Allen, somebody I've had a complete, in my mind, I've just completely kind of reassessed as a player this year. Um, Same. You know, and I don't know. There's a, there, I guess, am I naming like every team here? The other no. one is Cleveland. But, you know, Cleveland's, I, I, this is where we, you know, looking at the playoff scenarios every week, it's like what I see with Cleveland is, okay, they could, uh, they could pass Pittsburgh and win the division yeah. or they could get left out at 11 and five. When, yeah. we, when we started talking, uh, we started doing this whole thing. Pittsburgh was still undefeated, right? Yeah. I think it was right after the Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. that Wednesday game. And they just barely beaten that incredible Baltimore match. Well, and there was that crazy, that game where that you guys had Buffalo Pittsburgh. And it was like going into that game. If Pittsburgh wins, the one sees a coin flip. And then if right. they lose, it's like 95 five. And it's like, we've seen exactly why that's the case because Pittsburgh's actually weak in Kansas city. You know, all they, they just keep winning. If not, maybe unspectacularly, what you're saying about Baltimore is great. And this, this again, brings back us back to your election experience, which is our assumptions might have to change a little bit, right? Because if I'm an AFC team with the with one of the top seeds, I want to play Miami. I don't want to play. And if I'm... Do you? And if I'm Buffalo, 
I don't want to play Lamar Jackson, right? I yeah. what I want to anytime in the playoffs. So let's say Buffalo secures the two seed. Let's see Indy wins, Buffalo wins, and they're in line for the two seed. I lay down for Miami in the in week 17, right? Because I want to see my I want to see Miami in the playoffs. I want to see Lamar Jackson, uh, John That's Harbaugh, dangerous. and the Ravens out clear out of the playoffs. Yeah. That's fair. Although, I mean, everyone's going to... The, the interesting thing about saying the Ravens are a sneaky team is that last year and the narrative coming into this year is that Lamar Jackson can't win a playoff game. But that, isn't that always the case? Like, Kansas City, I always feel like there's this, like, second-year effect. So Kansas hmm. City was the team no one wanted to face in 2018. They had explosive offense. They were the most impressive team in football. They get the one seed, and they, they fail in the playoffs. And in 2019, they, they start six and four. Quarterback gets hurt. Defense sucks. The Ravens are the toast of the town. Yada, yada, yada. And we get to week 17. The Pats lose to the Dolphins. They get the two seed. Mm -hmm. And we're all like, holy shit, Kansas City could win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and I think, and I think that that could be true about, you know, not, not necessarily the Ravens being in a great spot like Kansas City, but the Ravens coming into the playoffs being finally the team mm -hmm. we thought they were all year. Steve, would Buffalo. Would Buffalo making it to say the Super Bowl, would that just be how painful would that be for you? I mean, you know, it's like I, I've told people I, I um I'm telling you earlier, I was a Pats fan in the in the in the lean days. My favorite player back then in all time was Doug Flutie. Uh -huh. Um and Doug Flutie had a brief run there. Well, he ended up coming back to the Pats at the very end of his career, but in the late eighties he had a brief run with the Patriots. Um, and not at all the era where a quarterback like Doug Flutie could succeed in the NFL. And then a decade later, he came back from Canada and went to the Bills. And I mean, you, you know the story. Yeah. He gets the Bills to the playoffs and they bench him for, for Rob Johnson. And yeah, I, I have, I have, I, I never got over that. I was in, you know, I, I've never gotten over what the Bills franchise did to him. So the combination of the wow. Pats having the year they've had. And it being the Bills, the Bills that benched Doug Flutie for Rob Johnson in a playoff game. Man, um, I, I mean, I, look, I, I I feel for the Bills fans. Those are those are loyal fans. They're great fans. And I I do I like the city of Buffalo, but I, I still nurse a grudge for what the organization did. Well, the Music City Miracle is one of the most justice-ridden plays in the history of football. Like sure. that, they deserved it for benching yeah. Flutie for a guy that, like that was a classic underdog story, right? It's like. Uh, you know, they, it's they like gave, a movie. They literally. gave Johnson yeah. all the money, and then he stunk, and they sat him for Flutie. Flutie does amazingly, and they they literally pulled a fast one on Flutie. It was week seventeen. They benched him like they were just you know benching their starter, like oh like Andy Reid starting Chad Henney yeah. over Mahomes, right? And it's like, and then they're like, and then Wade Phillips is like, no, we're actually going to start this big goofy tall guy here in the game. <laughs> and, like, you know. and then the funny thing is, he he had a game winning drive. They they drove down and scored a field goal, and then the yeah. Music City Miracle. So. What do you want the Pats to do? Let's. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to sit with Bill Bill Belichick and advise him here. Um, what like the path forward for your Patriots to return to glory is what? I uh, I want Jimmy G back. Oh. Um, and look, I know there's some injury questions now, but I just it it I just in my mind, if they could get him back, and it seems like San Fran might be okay with that. Um, it'll work you know it'll work and it's sort of how it was supposed to be you know because i yeah. think the you know you guys probably have said the, the impression certainly that, that that i have and i think most Pats fans have is that belichick wanted to stick with him anyway mm -hmm. and then it was Kraft who wanted brady to stick around for a few more years then brady's gone and now look what you got yeah and it seems to me there's there's Man. a there's a possibility he's available i i 
I'd say do that. You two are fast friends. So now. Look at the- I'm a Niners fan, and uh, ah. I I love Jimmy G. And I'm torn. It's I'm really part torn of it's here. part of it's his play on the field. Part of it's his play off the field. I, I love everything about Jimmy G. There's nothing I don't love about Jimmy G. I love the way he plays, the way he leads, just, the whole thing. But I'm torn because I'm not sure he can be an elite quarterback. And so I I want him more than anything else to come back from the ankle injury and have like the greatest week 17 game ever and make it back. But well, let's ask a common Pat, uh, Pat's question to Steve. So, because there was never a time in the last 25 years where Tom Brady was the most talented quarterback in the NFL. There were times when he was the best, but never a time when he was the most talented. If you project some of that, right? Garoppolo is not untalented. We've seen what he can do in a certain situation. Yeah. Put him in. Put him in New England. Now, do you, what is the what is the pie? The six Super Bowl wins. How many of that are you attributing to Belichick? Yes. How many of that are you attributing to Brady? Like the pie chart of uh, of the praise. blame pie, pie chart of praise. <laughs> well, look, I, the thing that always jumped out to me in that era was the year Brady didn't play, two thousand eight. Hmm. Matt Castle, right? Legend. Now, they didn't make the playoffs. They were they went eleven and five with Matt Castle, right? Brady goes down the first week, and everybody thinks this is going to be a six and ten season. Mm-hmm. And what did Matt Castle do after he left? You know, so I always, I always thought, and that's why I was actually more optimistic this year when Cam Newton came in. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I mean, there's looks like there's all sorts of problems with with Newton. Who knows? Um, but I thought, I I thought Belichick was going to get more out of him. I thought, I thought this was going to work better <laughs> than it did because in my mind, I, I remember what happened with Matt Castle. So you know, I, I just, I think it was there was a synergistic thing. There was a there was a Belichick Brady combination there. Um, but I don't think Belichick has to have Brady because I, I do remember, you know, 2008. Yeah. Man, yeah, that, that, would... got, that got at Castle a huge deal with my Chiefs. And it it that, did. That didn't, that didn't work out all that well. There, there's he, a great um... – He also had the whole, um, like, the pedigree thing. Like, people were willing to bet that Matt Castle was going to yeah. be good since the, there, the day There was started. a great quote in the book, Hard Things About Hard Things. And it talks about how working relationships – that don't have any friction don't last mm-hmm. either either you're not because you, i don't think they got along that well did they like brady and belichick I, I i don't have any reason to believe that do you steve it, it's the impression i got is it changed in the last two years okay and it might have been around the time that you know was belichick resentful that the decision was made to stay to stay, stay with, with brady and, and get yeah. rid of garoppolo okay. Did Brady finally get sick of Belichick just, you know, being Belichick, you know, at practice? Um, I, I got the impression that in the last two years of it, I would say, um, it, it changed. And, and by the end, they were both ready to be to be gotcha. done with each other. But not before that. Not, okay, because you know, so before that, the they time were, it worked. So then my theory is is bunk. But yeah, I, th- I do think okay. that having like two, two different guys who are both brilliant who rub each other a little bit the wrong way, I think does create a decent amount of just the, you know, what you need to be hugely successful. And that might be the reason why no one's ever lasted on that team other than Brady, because everybody gets into a situation where they're like content winning tons of Super Bowls, who wouldn't be. And eventually they like lose their edge a little bit. And Brady trades Richard Seymour to the Raiders or, you know, I wonder if Logan Mankins to the Bucks. So I wonder if that's what Jimmy G needs. So Jimmy G needs to be turned away from the Niners. He needs the giant chip on his shoulder that Brady got for basically being like 
thought of as worse than was a Chad Hansen or whoever it was at Michigan, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And like he, and then being a uh, you know the 199th pick, like that I think carried him so long. Jimmy needs a kick in the ass, and and maybe this is it. And Steve yeah. will get his Patriots back. Well, that's that's an awesome take because we've we have not heard. I've that not one. heard that one. Yeah, yet. that one's that one's a really good one. I've heard tank for Trevor. I've heard sign Sam Darnold. Not Jimmy I, G. And, and if I'm a Pats fan, I want none of those situations. Like, <laughs> well, they I'll, can't get Trevor now. Yeah, they can't get like none of those are attainable. The thing about Newton that was hard was that he was good enough to win six, seven games. You know, the Stidham thing made sense because they would probably be in the position the Jets are in mm-hmm. if they started Stidham the whole year. But the 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 Cam thing kind of put them in this purgatory. Maybe they will go after somebody in that sort of ten to. 19 range of quarterbacks uh and you know and if mcdaniel stays that might be a good formula i have some quick hitters for you steve before we get you out of here first one sure i wore the closest thing i had to khakis today uh in your honor what is (laughs) what's the story behind the khakis I wish I had a good one. I, this is, I say, I'm mystified by some of the stuff that's happened since the election. I mean, that's that's the top of my list. I, I mean, this is the most boring thing. I just, what do they say? Like, you know, companies want to lock in customers when they're like, you know, 20 years old or whatever, because mm-hmm. then they kind of get them for life. I think that's the theory. It's true with me. I, I just probably when I was in college, I would go to the Gap, you know, every couple months, and I was oh, time for new pants, and I would get a pair of khakis, and I just never stopped doing it. So, you know, I, I, I wear them and, uh, you know, we get to, uh, election week, of course, it's like this building I'm in 30 rock right now. It's mm-hmm. kind of empty. There's not a lot of adult supervision. So I'm kind of sitting in my office and it's like, Oh, we got to go on the air for the election. So I put the shirt and tie on and, uh, you know, they give me a little, I don't even know what I'm doing with it. There's a little makeup they left on my desk. I try to just dab it all over my face and I go up there. And, uh, you know, two days later I have like friends sending me articles about my pants. I, I, you tell me i have no idea (laughs) so that's amazing so i have a pitch for you because i was thinking about you know meteoric rise what are you going to do next the kornacki khaki (laughs) you're welcome i mean hey listen if i can make a buck off it i'll take it (laughs) i want i just want i want you want a finder's fee don't you i just want a little bit of investors uh finder's fee i want to be a a, on the floor investor but i think i think we could find uh someone to be uh, to start that up. I don't have like a manufacturing plant, but I'm sure we could find one. Um, did you actually stay up for 40 straight, 48 straight hours? What was, what, like, how did you do it? If you did, where did you get the Adderall from? I'm, I, I like, I don't know how that happened. It was, I, I did sleep some that week. I didn't, okay. I, I think I probably got four or five hours for the week. I, I stayed up all night to Tuesday through the night, uh, election night itself. And then again, I slept a little uh, Wednesday into Thursday, and then we got to like, I'd say it was 11 o'clock on Thursday night, and Biden was getting close to catching Trump in Pennsylvania. And we have these like cameras from some of the county vote counting sites, you know, Delaware County, Pennsylvania. And when I'm looking at them counting the ballots, and I'm saying to myself, I think Biden is gonna catch Trump overnight, three in the morning, four in the morning, something, mm. And I'm saying to myself, I think if enough votes come in, our decision desk may call it at three or four in the morning. And I, I'm not missing that. No. Because everybody, my boss is going over it. And I, I, he's like, you want to stay, don't you? I said, yeah, I think it's going to happen overnight. He said, all right, you stay, you do it. So I, I you know, they had somebody who was going to come in to relieve me. This, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm actually going to do this. I get out there and 
probably about 30 minutes after I, I'm back on air, I look down at my monitor and all the vote counting sites, the lights are now off. <laughs> And I said, "Oh boy, I, oh boy, I screwed this one up." So I was, I was, I was there overernight. Kornacki's backup uh, quarterback put his helmet on, and he went out Peyton Manning and said, "Get off the field!" And then everyone else went home. <laughs> and that's what I got for it, you know. Jim Sorgi was ready. Yeah, Jim Sorgi wanted to come on the field. And... <laughs> oh, that's incredible. He wanted to take the final kneel down when when Biden finally won. He wanted to take the knee. So how many was it? Coffee. Like, how many cups of coffee did you drink? Uh, diet, I just do Diet Coke. Wow. I just, endless supply of cans of Diet Coke. And, um, you know, it was, I was, like, right behind the board. If you're looking at it on TV, literally right behind it, I had, like, a chair and a table. And in those, like, last couple of days when it was, you know, 30 minutes an hour between getting vote updates, um, I would go and sit there for a few minutes. And the minute I sit down, I never, I mean, I, I you know, if I didn't have somebody right next to me, I would have fallen asleep right away. But I, it was the minute we got an update, I go right back to the front of it. And it just I think it was like an adrenaline thing or something. Um, you know, I just I could feel it. My energy came back. I could do it for a few minutes. And, um, you know, I didn't even I got out of there at, at 1130 that Sunday at uh, Saturday. I didn't actually <laughs> it was the Breeders' Cup day. So I wanted to go yeah. watch a little of the Breeders' Cup. But 645, I'd say that night. I fell asleep at home and I woke up at 1030 the next morning. <laughs> so that was the longest I'd ever gone. So is that what you did as soon as the election was over? You went and watched horse racing? Yeah, I had a uh, had a nice winner in the first race. There you so, go. Yeah. See, what, a, look, what a perfect fit for we the show. We need to have you on this, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. show more. Oh, that's great. That is awesome. Um, I That's great. That was going to be one of my questions. Um, I uh, I have some, I have another idea. I'm just here pitching ideas, right? Um, what else can we use the the magic i don't know what they call it, the magic board the predict you know what else can we predict on a map of the united states i don't know if you've thought of this i don't know if people have pitched you other ideas um are, are there any that come to mind for you well the one they had me do uh for the, the today show like a week later was uh they did a poll of the the favorite thanksgiving dish <laughs> by state <laughs> so we we use the same you know interface and you know oh, wyoming they like their cranberry sauce south carolina you know it's the pumpkin pie um so we did that um wow no i i think it's you know and it's there you notice those things like that are really popular mm -hmm. like on social media the like favorite thing by state you know favorite song favorite sport favorite you know whatever favorite search term you see those maps all the time and they get passed around a lot i think there is a lot of fascination with like the 50 state map and 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 that sort of thing but no i i, I hey i'm open to ideas there because i have one that a little i have one that i think eric and you will love the mvp voting in the nfl sucks i want everyone to start voting for the mvp in week four and i want it to be a live thing that happens like every tuesday and the votes come in and we can light them up wherever they are. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. And we just have you up there and you're reporting on it and we're looking at quarterback X and Y and Z and where they were week four and where they are now and who's flipped and what, like who needs <laughs> what. Like, I think that'd be awesome. Is there now, is there an electoral college for this or are we doing a, a straight national popular vote? That's that, a great. That would be very interesting what what i think would be cool is like an off-season thing where like you go in and say what would the nfl standings look like if it was like popular vote oh versus the division because it's basically the same thing yeah. that you're dealing with whereas like 
uh, you know, so like the, there's no way, you know, the, 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 the NFC East is like the, you know, the, the, the Trump of the like, you know, electoral map, Stop. right? Where it's like <laughs> no way he'd win. If they, <laughs> like, but since there's it like, so many ways, yeah, yeah. but like the, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, 4 million in the, or how many, ever and many million in the popular vote that they lost by. And it's like, in this case, it never mattered. In this case, it mattered. It'd be kind of fun. Um, that, that, that's a great idea. Um, this was awesome. What's uh, what's next for you? What's after after football's over? Do you have? Are, I mean, like, are are you just going out as the Kornacki khaki something that can you know? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, well, I'll do. Look, we got here's my plug for our uh, our news side. January fifth, control of the U.S. Senate coming yes. down to one state, two races. Georgia will be live. You know, from six forty-five on that night, as long as it takes, and if if November's any indication, it could take four days in Georgia. So uh, that's my next uh, big political project. And then, yeah, we'll see. We'll see after that. Um, you know, I've been talking through a bunch of different ideas and, uh, and uh, don't have a, a firm answer yet, but, uh, but I got a few things in the, in the works maybe. Well, you're welcome to break, to break it on this podcast whenever <laughs> you do, you know, have that news. We're, we're just, you know, we're just looking for a little slice. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, I- if the pants thing happens, I, I think now it's on record, so I, I have to give this a cut. But. There we go. No, that'll. I'm I'm looking forward to that election. It'll be a lot of fun, and there's there's an interesting like the probability problem too, right? Because one 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 side needs both, right? Mm-hmm. Where the other side only needs yeah. one, and so it's kind of a fun like if and kind of kind of situation. Yeah, we'd have to be careful. And it's also, though. yeah. Go ahead. go ahead. No, it's all you. I was just gonna say it's also it's what Georgia is a great example of what you were talking about before the parallel to like. The football where mm. you know you've got the early the votes that come in the first few hours are probably going to be very republican because it's the democratic area you know atlanta mm. area that comes in late so you might have that if the democrats win it's probably one of those delayed things that, that you don't see immediately well we will be tuned in i was going to say the only problem with the kornacki khaki is that if we had it on nbc the nfl would like make us not promote the Kornacki khaki because they need a cut from everything. Yeah, yeah. as we they would make you call your know. own. They would make you call your own pants the khaki. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the lead khaki. <laughs> Steve, this was fantastic. Thank you. We very appreciate much. you, man, and uh, we'll be watching you on Sunday. Well, I'll be working with you on Sunday. I really appreciate um, this. Was fun, and it's been great working with you. I look forward to another week of it. Thanks, Steve. I don't know how we top this show. To be honest with no. you. I, we're, we'll work really hard to get some good guests for next week. I actually do have some good ideas. I'll tell, I'll tell you one of my ideas. We're talking to our buddy Evan Silva, and uh, we're thinking a wild card palooza would be fun, like we did during the summer. Mm-hmm. We get Hermsmeyer in here. Yeah. We get Kev. We get Timo. We get Evan. How we got here sort of situation. That How would cool be, would that be? And the, the best part about the wild card is there's like a million ways to bet it. There's so many. Oh, it's just, it's beautiful. Here, here's another one that I like. Just got hired today. Here at University of Arizona. Our friend Jed Fish. Our friend Jed Fish. I think we got to go Jed. We got to get Jed Fish on the podcast. Do we? I'm sending right? you an email right now. Yeah. Jed Fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't tell the story. I, look, here's what you I will two tell. are fat. Like here's you, what, you here's what I'm going to tell you. We're fast friends. Here's what and I'm going to tell you. I want to say you and Jed were even faster friends. I'm going to tell this story in a way that I think I can tell it. 
we're at the combine. Jed Fish is in a meeting. Uh, he's currently working for the Rams. And it's like 5 p.m. So everyone is tired. We've been through meetings. He comes in. He's got like a bunch of candy like and um, dude, just munching on sugar. And he's got energy for days. This dude is ready to rock. And uh, there's a loud thump in uh, the floor above us. And Jed Fish had a one-line joke that I, I immediately, I melted. It was the most perfect joke. You were in love. I'm not going to tell you. You can guess what it was. Yeah. If you listen to this podcast a lot, you might know. Um, but Jed Fish is awesome. And was, I mean, he, he's, let's get Jed Fish on the podcast. Okay, that's it. Merry Christmas. We love you all. Hosanna in the highest. The next time, no, oh, next next <laughs> podcast will still be 2020, but thank you all for uh, joining us for this year. It's been a weird year, but thanks year. for, thanks for, thanks for uh, got uh, following along. We're yeah. going to fucking. Two more. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sunday night. Yeah. Holy Jesus. Okay. Love y'all.